1: We are going to begin immediately with a guest, and he is John Rurink. He is owner and publisher of Michigan Information and Research Service Newsletter, published in Lansing, MERS as it's known popularly, and it is a very popular newsletter uh, by subscription in Lansing. John Rurink, welcome to the Political Insider. Thanks for having me, Bill. And John is, uh, I believe, still on Mackinac Island uh, at the conclusion of the Greater Detroit Chamber of Commerce uh, annual Mackinac Policy Conference, they call it. And, John, uh, I understand you've been to quite a few of these, right?
2: I I started in 1996. Seven, So I think this is my 22nd. There might be one year I think we, we might have missed. but I'm kind of Talking about last night, but I think it's 21 or
1: 22. That's a pretty darn good record. Um, let me ask you, how does this year's conference stack up in the honor roll of conferences you've attended over the last 22 years?
2: Um, it's, it's, probably in, it's probably in the top, you know, third, top quarter maybe. Of all of them, I, I particularly like the ones where they've had the debates. I was, you know, I was thinking about last year. This time we had the Democratic uh, debate going on uh, up here, uh, so um, uh, so that was that was always a highlight. I can remember distinctly there some Republican debates up here, gubernatorial debates that were that were a lot of fun. This was nice though, and a little bit different in a way because you know we returned to we returned to divided government uh, this year. And all the, three, all the leaders were up there talking about um, how much they can get done, and they're the kind of basking in the glow of that no-fault auto insurance reform they passed Friday, and they were kind of all patting themselves on the back. We've got a new, we've got a new process to work through complex problems. Uh, we can now tackle roads. Uh, um, so it, that, it was interesting to see that and to see the dynamics of three, three brand-new leaders, I mean, in, in the terms of the majority leader of the Senate, the Speaker of the House, uh, and a new governor. Uh, Because this stage, kind of up here, this conference really puts a highlight, especially on the governor. They give her two uh, speaking opportunities, two keynote addresses. Uh, So um, right out of the gate, uh, she did she did did pretty good with it. I thought she did very well with it.
1: Do they have uh, her speaking in the uh, grand dining room or uh, up? No,
2: she was she was uh, there's a there's there's a theater up there where they held most of the the large. The
1: large meetings so in the Grand a, like, Hotel.
2: Yeah, at the Grand Hotel.
1: Yep. And aren't there something like fifteen hundred uh, people up there all together at the conference? I,
2: I think it's I think it's approaching seventeen hundred.
1: Wow. You know, from what I
2: understand. I didn't get an exact count this year, but it fluctuates right between fifteen and seventeen hundred. I understand.
1: So did the so governor? I mean,
2: it literally takes over a lot of the activity on the island. For-
1: did the governor stay in the governor's residence, uh, like for the entire uh, three or four days?
2: She did. She had a reception up there uh, for the media. Um, I think it was Tuesday night. Uh, so we, we wandered up there and got to see the residents. We haven't seen that since uh, Jennifer Granholm's tenure. Uh, Rick Snyder never had any media receptions on the, on the <laughs> residence at the residence. Wow. Island. Huh. But, yeah, she said she, she and her family really enjoyed it. Uh, they came up, I think, uh, Friday at some point or Saturday. Uh, so they spent the weekend, uh, she said, parked right there on the porch you've ever seen a picture you've been there haven't you
1: oh absolutely yeah many yeah times.
2: the view i mean you know the view is just i, I think it's a better view than the,
1: the porch of the grand hotel yeah it is great it's high it's almost as higher maybe higher because you dip down in a valley between yep. the grand hotel to, and the you go back in front yeah. of you kind of and yeah it's really great um what about um the senate leader mike shirky speaker lee chatfield were they up there for the the whole time, or did they just come up for one or two, you know, quick uh, speaking gigs and leave, they, or what?
2: They were they were up pretty much the full the full the bulk the bulk of the activity of, for this conference is, is turned into Wednesday Thursday because or Tuesday kind of becomes a travel day. They they have a reception Tuesday night. There's some receptions, and then uh, this morning I think they're only having like an hour long program, and then they're pretty much they're done for the for the for the week. But they were up here. Circulating um, all day uh, Wednesday and all day Thursday, and I got to tell you, I, I, from a news perspective, I think Mike Shirkey, uh, you know, got the got the top news peg out of this conference uh, with a, a surprise uh, uh, statement he made last night uh, at a PAC uh, forum, a meeting a panel of all the uh, the quadrant leaders. He announced that uh, he was gonna he's gonna challenge term limits in three years. And everybody was kind of their jaws dropped. Nobody knew about it. His <laughs> press secretary Amber McCann. I asked her afterwards. She, I said, "Did you know he was going to do this?" She just looked at me and smiled and said, "You think I know everything <laughs> that he's going to say?"
1: Well, uh, of course, um, <clears throat> I think everybody knows that if term limits is going to be quote challenged unquote, it can only be done in two ways: either by a two-thirds majority in the House and Senate, or by petition and no petition drive has ever been launched to try to amend or repeal term limits since it was enacted by the voters back in 1992. Mm-hmm. Did Mike Shirky provide any details, specifics about what he's thinking?
2: He, he said he wants to do it. He wants to put it uh, in front of the people by moving it through the legislature. Um, he said it, it, he, he's asked whether it would be a repeal or an extension of term limits because, as you know, we've, we've heard proposals that would expand you know, the six years in the House and the eight years in the Senate and, and, and maybe provide a 14-year combo in any order you want. Uh, he said, he said you're either in, you're either out. He said uh, His argument for it is that the, the, the post-service retirement benefits are gone. The post-service health care is gone. He says there is no longer any incentive to make it a career, uh, and, and that's what he thinks Term Limits wanted to address. Uh, so he's, he's, he wants to test the appetite, as he says, of the voters, the people of the state of Michigan. Are they willing to take another look at this
1: 1992 law? Yeah, of course, uh, the big challenge, if he's going to do it through the legislature, is to get uh, bipartisan cooperation it requires a two-thirds majority in each chamber, not just a simple majority. We could talk about this forever. But uh, one other thing happened up there involving uh, something the legislature was involved with and also the governor and that of course was governor whitmer signed the auto insurance rate reform uh bill yep. into law and i mean that was fairly unusual to have a massive uh bill signing ceremony with all the actors present uh on mackinac island at that conference right
2: oh absolutely it's, it was very unique it was uh, uh there's probably 200 people crowded in down one end of the, the a porch up there it was a beautiful day to actually sign the bill uh, it gave uh, it gave them all sort of I think the, the shining moment they really wanted when they passed that bill on Friday. The business community has been clamoring for this for a long time. Uh, I, I didn't realize it, but uh, they they actually had they opened up the ceremony with uh, Garland Gilchrist was the first speaker, and he and he, and he gave a great story. He said, you know, when he worked in Washington D.C., he parked his car on the side of the road, and it got broken into several times. Uh, it, it, it was hit a couple of times. Uh, and he, yeah, I can't remember the exact number, but when he moved to Michigan and parked his car in a ho- house with a garage, his wife was only driving it to work, and his insurance rates between Washington D.C. and Michigan quadrupled. <laughs> and
1: <laughs> even though nobody was uh, smashing into his car up here, huh? Yep, yep, yep. Well, that is absolutely. A, how many other legislators altogether do you think, at one time or another, were up there?
2: I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess that there were probably between 40 and 50 um at any given time so um i I didn't do an exact count i never checked with the chamber but you know just based on what i who i saw my guess would be about maybe 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 third maybe a little less than a third of the
1: legislature well it almost makes you feel like uh, all of state government moved to mackinac island for the week right
2: well it it did and it's, it's funny because we Historically, with this conference, I set I set it up so I, there's usually me and one other person up here. But I don't. Some of these news organizations bring up their whole team. I have to leave uh, uh, enough people down there to cover the House and Senate and the committee meeting, which what? is our normal way of doing it. And Tuesday morning, uh, my editor Kyle Malin, calls me. You know, they canceled absolutely everything here. There's nothing <laughs> going on in Lansing. So,
1: I think you were in charge up there, John Rorick. I want to thank you very much for being our guest on The Political Insider, and good luck to you this weekend. I think you got a boat over there on Drummond Island, right? You're going to St. Yep. Ignace? Yep, absolutely. Okay. Take care. Thank you.
0: You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill.
1: We have another Mackinac Island guest, and he is Rick Pluta, veteran capital reporter. He's managing editor and Lansing Bureau Chief for Michigan Public Radio. Rick Pluta, welcome to the Political Insider. Hi, Bill. I heard your interview on the radio today and yesterday with Governor Whitmer. Uh, what did you think of that? Was there any takeaway from your interview that is at all novel uh, compared to other things he's been saying in the last week? Um, I think, and it's not just
3: that interview in particular, but that um, just overall what we're seeing is the development of a working relationship between Governor Whitmer, who is a Democrat, and um, the Republican leadership in the uh, legislature, Lee Chatfield, the Speaker of the House and Senate Majority Leader, Mike Shirky, it's kind of interesting up here that when um, when um, Leader Shirky talks about the governor, he always calls her my governor. I'm willing to work with my governor. I've if noticed my that. governor wants yeah. something. I will listen. Yeah,
1: I think and, you know, that oh, that, go ahead. that in and of itself is a breakthrough compared to rhetoric we've heard in the past. Right.
3: Uh, I would I mean, I would say so. It's it's just a, a, a gesture. But I would argue and and. You certainly know the environment, Bill. That that gesture is very significant because it shows how these leaders want to work with the governor. And you know, we saw that up here on the island when um, the governor signed an auto insurance overhaul, something that's not happened just in years, but in uh, in decades, in hopes of retiring that particular uh, that particular fight.
1: Right, absolutely. I, I think that was one thing that made this year's conference somewhat unusual compared to previous years where you had this major piece of legislation being signed on the island with so many of the actors physically present at the ceremony,
4: right? right?
3: Uh, very much so, and then uh, I would say that the other um, bomblet was Mike shirky saying one of the things that he wants to accomplish during his time as Senate Majority Majority Leader. Is some unspecified because he says he's still working on that a way to um, extend or maybe even um, eliminate uh, term limits in the
1: legislature? Right. Yeah. That that uh, I think is a major developing story. And now he's set that up. So there's going to be obviously much more conversation about that going forward. We have not had even a petition drive launched mm-hmm. uh, in the interim between 1992 when term limits was enacted and today, and yet. He He's leaving open the possibility that if he can't get it done by the legislature, that maybe you know he probably didn't talk about it, but petition route is always possible, right?
3: Um, one one would think, and he said that he's keeping you know all options open that he would like to um, you know that, that that he would like to explore ways to uh, if not eliminate uh, term limits, which isn't you know an amendment in the Michigan Constitution, if not eliminate them altogether. Then maybe extend them, and we've certainly, you know, heard in the past um, legislative leaders expressing frustration with Michigan's term limits law, which is among the strictest in the country in terms of the brevity that people are allowed to serve. But um, this is the first time, in uh, my recollection since it was adopted, that we've um, heard anything from leadership uh, pondering. Um, you know, an actual possibility of doing something to, uh, to change
1: that amendment. Yeah, one person missing at the bill signing ceremony for auto insurance rate reform was, unfortunately, Dan Gilbert, uh, who was probably a major actor in uh, what happened last week when the legislation was finally passed and sent to the governor. And he immediately, in his hour of triumph, suffered a stroke. And is in the mm-hmm. hospital, and that uh, must have been a topic of conversation on the island because he was expected to appear there and make a talk, right? Oh, it, it
3: absolutely was a, a topic of conversation, and he sent you know a, a subordinate to uh, to uh, deliver the talk. But yes, there uh, is an irony um, that uh, you know his—I uh, guess you'd have to call it a threat. To, um start a uh, ballot drive certainly seem to move things along. And we should probably note that even though we have a new law that that may not be um, the final word on the issue because it's widely expected that at least parts of it will be uh, will be challenged in court.
1: Right. What else went on in the island that struck you? I mean, other things. They could have been panel discussions, like on ranked voting. Uh, I don't know whether there was a Big Four meeting, as they've had in the past. Uh, what what, what uh, stuck out for you? Um, I, I
3: think what stuck out mostly, and you know, as, as you're aware, that um, in many respects, um, this conference on Mackinac um, belongs to... Um, the governor at the moment and the first one of these is significant because the governor is is kind of an unknown quantity now Gretchen Whitmer has worked in state politics for a long time but you know all of that um, can give you some hints and suspicions about what kind of a governor she might be. But the job is unique, and, um, you know, every governor puts their own stamp on it. And that's, you know, those signals are what people up here are uh, looking for. And I think that's actually part of why um, this auto insurance bill was signed up here, ironically, in a place that does not um, allow automobiles, um, that... You know, it showed that she was ready to be a player, that she knew how to work with legislators to, uh, um, to get something done, to give something, to get something. And, um, you know, the next question is whether or not that relationship is going to, how that relationship is going to play out as she seeks to, uh, get something done on her marquee issue of, um, fixing the roads, and getting a lot more funding to do that.
1: Yeah, Rick, as you know from previous conferences, uh, one of the big uh, things on the agenda has always been the so-called Big Four meeting between uh, the metropolitan Detroit uh, political leaders, uh, people uh, who would be Detroit mayor, Wayne County executive, Macomb County executive, Oakland County executive, uh in the past, you've seen people like Coleman Young, Ed McNamara, mm-hmm. Kwame Kilpatrick. Uh, now you've got a kind of uh, dicey situation. Brooks Patterson obviously has health issues. Oakland County Executive was not there. Uh, right. What what did they do? Did they have one anyway with the other actors, or did they just cancel it? Um, no, there was um,
3: there was a um, discussion. I mean, I don't think that you can have an event that's aimed at um, the movers and shakers in the Southeast Michigan business community and really the statewide business community without hearing from, you know, as many of those people, um, as you can. And, you know, I mean, as always public transportation was on the agenda, but I didn't see, or at least you know, on the list of discussion points, but, uh, you know, we're not seeing anything big you know, happening on that. The need to do something about, um, roads and transportation was a discussion, but, uh, you know, that, that I don't think that we saw any discernible progress on that. I mean, people are still kind of digesting um, the governor's proposal to uh, increase the, uh, the fuel tax to uh, get it done. I mean, one of the interesting things, um, uh, the governor repeated, you know, what she said before. Uh, and, and I think it's kind of interesting that what she wants to see is one tough vote put everything that you want into um, one bill and then make everyone, sooner rather than later, deliver one tough vote. One uh, tough vote. Listen,
1: yeah, I wish we could talk longer. We got to leave. But thanks so much, Rick Pluta of Michigan Public Radio for being our guest.
3: Uh, It was a pleasure.
0: You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on
1: MTN. Here's Bill. We are going from one end of the state to another, from Mackinac Island down to southern Michigan, right on the Indiana border. We have got on our line here a special guest, veteran reporter Don Reed of the Coldwater Daily Reporter newspaper and he knows quite a bit about an issue that doesn't get much public attention but means a lot to people living down in these southern Michigan counties like Branch and Hillsdale and St. Joseph, Um, and that is uh, the Amish population and whether or not their presence is causing some difficulties or problems on the road system down there. And I'll uh, greet Don Green, uh, Don Reed. Thank you very much, Don, for being on the show.
4: No problem. Glad to be here.
1: And let me just ask you, blue sky question, uh, what's happening on the road situation down there in southern Michigan? And what is your uh, view of what has transpired? And by the way, how does it compare to northern Indiana, where there's also a large Amish Population just over the border. Uh,
4: the problem here has been developing over the years with the Amish and their horses and buggies and wagons on mostly the uh, the rural roads, including primary county roads. It has gotten worse in the past, probably five or six years. Now the Amish have switched to carbide tipped horseshoes, uh, which last longer and are stronger. And they use metal wheels on their buggies and wagons up here. What this does is you can see roads where down uh, the side or the center of a lane, you'll see them chipped up and uh, valley in them. You'll also notice on roads that they heavily travel, you can see where there are two marks left by the steel tires. This tears them up. And in townships where there's a lot of Amish traffic, these roads end up being chewed up. Uh, They then start getting potholes after the winter freezes, and it literally destroys them. Uh, Two years ago, the County Road Commission here faced with spending about uh, $2,000 every week to try to repair roads. Uh, This one road, about a mile section of a a Lester Road, uh, finally decided they could no longer afford to keep repairing it and graded it back up, turned it back into a gravel road in a township they have started moving into about uh, three or four years ago. One of the main county north-south primary roads, Block Road in uh, Bethel Township. You can see along the road now the tracks from the horses and the tracks from the Amish wheels. The problem is, is Amish and their horse and buckies don't pay any taxes, gas taxes at all. They're using the roads. They're tearing them up. There are no registrations on them. And um, that leaves a couple problems. There's no way to get them to contribute to the repair of roads and also with no registration, no requirement for having reflectors or lights on the buckies, they become a traffic hazard. And if they're in an accident, sometimes it's impossible to determine uh, who owns the bucky and how to contact next of kin. Um, we've, we've seen this. It's been a problem up in, I believe, in Clare County also, where there are some Amish Across the state line in Indiana, uh, most cited is LaGrange County, Indiana, where better than 50% of the population down there is Amish. Indiana law allows them to require certain types of markings, reflectors on the Amish buggies so you can see them at night. They all have registration plates so you know who they belong to if they're involved in an accident and they also have required uh, rubber tires on the wheels of the buffies, and also have banned down there, the carbide tip or And uh, it, it, it helps keep the roads in better shape down there than we see in the three border counties along here. And, and, the County Road Commission has pushed our legislators, uh, Senator Mike Shirky and uh, Senator Lothiser, uh, to try to do something with it. They met with the Amish community. They met in several meetings here with road commissions and public officials and decided, well, there's no real need to put any additional laws or restrictions on them. So it's left local officials here frustrated. And they've just would like to see something done, uh, you know, some sort of contribution from the Amish for the care of the roads.
1: Right. Um, I think Representative Joel Johnson, a Republican of Clare, where you mentioned there is also an Amish community, he was term-limited out of the legislature a couple of years ago, but he sponsored a bill to charge a $50 registration fee for horse-drawn vehicles in Michigan. Uh, he The bill was supposed to... Uh, provide money that could be used for road repairs. And as you say, I think maybe there was some require uh, not only uh, for registration but a way to identify the owners of the buggies. Uh, but it went nowhere. And uh, I'm trying to find out why something can't be restarted uh, just because Representative Lloyd Heiser and uh, Senate Majority Leader Shirky say they don't think anything is necessary. So uh, maybe uh, another legislator can give us another point of view. Do you think Branch Hillsdale and St. Joseph counties all have exactly the same situation? Or are there some areas down there where maybe more prosperous uh, Amish uh, have rubber tires or have reflectors? Yeah.
4: Part part of the situation in St. Joe County, they don't see as much wear there because a lot of their Amish come across from LaGrange County. Uh, They're adjacent to LaGrange County, and the Amish, the Old Order Amish down there that they're involved with, uh, are wealthier. And uh, uh, they have, and they're a different type. There's not just Amish, there are lots of different sects of Amish, and some are more strict than others. Uh, we see Amish buggies with uh, kids going out on Saturday night with uh, battery-operated boom boxes as they date, you know. They'll be hauling their uh, uh, gasoline motorboat on a trailer behind their horse and buggy. Uh, it's a different type of Amish, and the Amish are responsible for providing tremendous amounts of construction labor to the RV industry down in Elkhart uh, and uh, St. Joseph County, Indiana. Uh, they become uh, quite prosperous. Um, uh, they're not farmers like they are in Hillsdale and Branch County, where they tend more to raise chickens and they raise truck cops that they sell. So uh, it's an issue that it's different, different type of Amish. And the issues are different. Uh, They have some number of Amish dairies down here that haul milk to storage units in 55-gallon drums on horse and wagons. Those wagons are extremely heavy, and uh, they do damage to the road. You don't find that in other Amish counties. it, It doesn't make sense that the state would ban studded snow tires to protect the road When they won't do something about the carbide tip horseshoes that the Amish horses are, are using to uh, damage roads here. You think and do uh, you think it's, it's matter- not that much of a political issue? They don't, you know, Amish generally don't vote in elections.
1: Listen, we could <laughs> we could keep talking about this. Honestly. Uh- And we will. Uh, I think we're going to have to have another episode of this in a few months anyway to see if anything else has happened. But you have really given us a tremendous overview of what the situation is like. Thank you so much, Don Reed, veteran reporter of the Coldwater Daily Reporter newspaper. Thank you so much, Don Reed.
4: You're welcome, Bill. Bye.
0: This is MTN, and you're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. Here's Bill.
1: We have returned, and we have another very insightful guest coming up. Uh, state Representative Aaron Miller, Republican of Sturgis, uh, which is next door to Branch and Hillsdale counties down on the Indiana state line. Uh Representative Aaron Miller, welcome to the Political Insider. Thanks for having me again, Bill. Yeah, your 59th House district includes St. Joseph County, if I'm not mistaken, and yes, what? Sir. Most of Cass County, is that right? Yes,
5: sir. Most of Cass County.
1: Okay, now you have an Amish settlement, I think in or around Centerville, which I think is the oldest Amish settlement in Michigan and I think maybe the biggest.
5: Correct. Um, Size-wise, it depends on uh, you know where you look at size elsewhere, but yes, we've got essentially in St. Joseph County the largest Amish population in the state, and yes, the oldest uh, going back to the early 1900s, uh, some of my ancestors actually uh, came into the county for the first time from Indiana, so big, big thing down here.
1: Yeah, isn't there quite a relationship between Centerville and LaGrange County across the state line in Indiana?
5: Definitely, that's for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of interchange, a lot of uh, lot of family uh, interrelationships just because that's where they came from down in LaGrange County. Uh, LaGrange County was where my great-grandmother, who grew up Amish, uh, was Amish probably till she was a middle-aged woman. That's where she was born, actually, in uh, northern LaGrange County, right across the border.
1: Yeah, as I understand it, uh, a lot of Amish who live in St. Joseph County around Centerville um, actually travel down to Indiana every day to work in the recreational vehicle uh, business all the down time. there, don't they? Oh, yeah,
5: all the time. And, uh, yeah, they'll, they'll travel down in, in vans or, um, or they'll travel down, uh, you know, on the bus system, the local transit authority. It could be one of a number of things. Uh, even on Lakeview Avenue, uh, a nicer part of Sturtis where we live very close to, uh, Lakeview Avenue goes down into Indiana, just a couple miles south of my house. And uh, even on Lakeview, I, I see a buggy go by every now and then. And that is no doubt, um, you know, transit back and forth from Indiana uh, for this and that. Uh, a lot of them from Indiana come to our Walmart. In, this, uh, in fact, Indiana plates, you probably find uh, more than 50% of the license plates are from Indiana at Sturgis Walmart.
1: Let me ask you this. Um the St. Joseph County Amish population, as I understand it, is maybe uh, on the upside uh, when it comes to income, um, fairly prosperous Amish population. Uh, maybe they have, you know, better vehicles, uh, horse and buggy operations than elsewhere. But I got to tell you, over in Branch and Hillsdale, they have got uh, Amish population over there that really uh, are tearing up their roads. I mean, yeah. they've got steel wheels and studs uh, and stuff. It's kind of incredible. And I, I'm just curious. Um, in Indiana, as I understand it, they really don't have this problem. Um, and a couple of years ago, I think Representative Joel Johnson, who I believe you served with, maybe his last term was your first. I'm not sure. And he sticking, spots. sick who? This is Joel Johnson, Republican yes. of Clare, and he sponsored a bill yes. uh, to charge a $50 registration fee for horse-drawn vehicles, the money from which could be used on road repairs, and uh, also, obviously, to identify the owners of the buggies in case there's any kind of an accident. But the bill went nowhere. I, I understand you supported it, but nobody yes, I don't think anybody else has introduced anything like that, right?
5: Yeah, and a lot of a lot of dynamics exist Bill, and a lot of you're probably familiar with. Uh Indiana is more of an Amish state than Michigan by far. Uh Indiana, Pennsylvania, Ohio, they have much more significant population there down there in those states. Um, much more folded into the uh culture than is the case in Michigan. And that lends itself to, you know, in the metro area, um, just doesn't get as much press time, doesn't get as much um, attention as it would maybe in other states. In Indiana, for instance, I know the counties that have Amish down there, they have very rigorous systems that are organized for license plates and fees, like you say, and uh, we just don't have that in Michigan, and I think it's because it's not as big an issue in Michigan. It's only an issue in little hot spots here and there.
1: Well, the Michigan Horse-Drawn Vehicle Association, I know, came out against the bill that was introduced by Representative Joel Johnson a couple of years ago. Uh, What would that association include other than Amish horse and buggies? Are there other kinds of horse and buggies that would be affected that, you know, uh, would be resistant to some kind of registration fee? You know, that's news to me that such an association even exists. (laughs) But uh, <laughs> as I always
5: say, there's an association for everything. For everything, so, yeah. Does doesn't I mean I I actually really don't know who that would be. Uh, in our area, I, I can tell you, um, the English, as we are called, uh, the regular populace that is is Amish, uh, they aren't driving around in horse-drawn buggies around here. Around here, it's definitely the Amish would be 100 of the of the issue. And uh, I've heard to varying degrees that it's a religious issue, that uh, it, it all depends on the local bishop of the church. But some Amish are okay with having something like a license plate and uh, slow-moving vehicle signs, and some are not. Uh, notably, down here, we've got every, every buggy has a slow-moving sign, and uh, some Amish have boom boxes in their buggies, the young guys do and some even have turn signals on them, but they definitely have lights and uh, slow-moving vehicle signs, and that helps. I've heard up in central Michigan, they don't even have slow-moving vehicle signs. Yeah, I have,
1: so, uh, yeah have you talked to Representative Lloyd Heiser or uh, Senator Shirky about this at all? Yeah,
5: we actually had a conversation uh, maybe two years ago. Um, he's obviously got a lot on his plate, and that's understandable, but i i remember hearing from him and i don't want to put words in his mouth on the radio program but i remember hearing from him that he was the issue and that um there's a lot of disagreement about what should be done over there as there is here some people on the local government level don't want to have anything to do with it others others want to confront the problem head on and uh i would love to work with senator shirky even though it's a one of those background issues. I'd love to work with him on getting something done. He represents, obviously, two counties that have significant populations of Amish.
1: Yeah. Do Do you think, in other words, uh, St. Joseph County doesn't really have quite the problem with its roads uh, from uh, the, uh, the Amish travel as maybe Branch and Hillsdale? Is that fair I to would, say?
5: I would say, uh, you know, having I I drive over to Branch a lot. Um, My wife's grandmother lives over there. I would say it's probably a mixed bag, depending on where you are. But around Centerville and Ottawa, it's definitely a problem. You can see where the studs on the horseshoes dig into the – you're talking about the middle of the lane, approximately, um, uh, especially on chip and seal, where it's tar and stones. You can really tell here in St. Joe County, too – You can tell where those marks are, and you can see them in the summertime, especially when the asphalt and the tar is hot. Um, I don't think it's a huge problem. It's probably more the uh, opposition is more vocal in Branch County, though, is what I've found.
1: Yeah, you know, back in the 1970s, uh, we outlawed in Michigan studded tires, which were very popular at the time uh, because they were being used in winter, obviously uh, had better traction. But the uh, Michigan Transportation Department said they're just tearing up our roads. And so the legislature repealed it. Uh, and yet you have got, you know, these wheels and these yeah. studs that are probably doing the same kind of damage, if not worse. You got it. Uh, than studded tires were doing back then. It's just that there's not the volume. You're yeah. absolutely right, because, you know, these are obscure rural communities uh, you haven't had any roads converted back to gravel in St. Joseph County, have you, because of well, this?
5: It's curious you mention that. Uh, we are actually discussing one in Ottawa Township right now. It's it's in Amish country. In fact, it's got a couple Amish-owned businesses on that road. And I, I, I don't think this is the primary reason. But uh, to the transportation debate that is, is going on right now, has been going on for some time, uh, it's a road that the township doesn't have money for. The County Road Commission doesn't have the money to maintain it. It's basically a failed road, and it's one that they're discussing. Uh, it's not; A decision hasn't been made yet, but they're discussing putting it back to gravel right now. So it's interesting this discussion comes up because that is a going-on discussion.
1: Yeah, we could keep going on this. Uh, just <laughs> r- real quick, I mean, is there any prospect the legislature will ever do anything on this?
5: It uh, depends on, uh, you know, Senator Shirky's in a, in a good spot. I think he's in a good position to use some of his influence to get something. It, it all depends on educating other legislators, Bill.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Representative Aaron Miller of the 59th House District, talking about the Amish population and the damage to Michigan's
4: road system.